Our first reading for this evening is from the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, the 34th chapter. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out, as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered. So I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on good pasture, that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture, and to drink of clear water, that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet, and must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet, and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns, till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus, and the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country? and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance." Or what man or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, 
There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And we can in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. You may be seated. I'm sure a lot of you are like me. I'll gladly bend over to pick up a dollar, but I pretty much step over the pennies. I think most of you probably do the same thing, unless you believe in luck, maybe, uh, because I still see a lot of pennies on the ground from time to time. But as I announced in the beginning of the service, isn't it amazing how God takes such a different way in his work of saving the world? He reaches out for the 1%, as we heard in the gospel lesson today about the lost sheep. This is so special for us and so important because this is what God has done, sent his son into this world to be the son of David, the shepherd, the one Ezekiel was talking about, to bring his people back to him again. Those who are called to repentance, those who believe in God's forgiveness. I think if you ask the average person, what is most important to Jesus? They would usually start by saying, well, he wants us to be good. He wants us to be nice. He wants us to care for the poor. I can't disagree with that, but that is not the most important thing to Jesus. When we read carefully the New Testament, we see that the most important thing for Jesus is repentance followed by forgiveness. St. Mark records for us basically in one sentence his sermons. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. For God knows that only in this way can our hearts be cleansed and changed and can we then really begin to do good and to help other people around us. So the theme of this chapter is, is a beautiful one, God reaching out to those who are left behind and in so doing brings us along so that we also can reach out and care for those who have been left behind. We begin with verses 1 and 2. The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. So you got one group of people drawing near, tax collectors and sinners, and then you have another group. They're hanging out there as well. And the Pharisees and scribes grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Well, we've seen this attitude in the hearts of the scribes, the Pharisees and scribes, many times before. Let's try to get at the root of it. What is it? Why are they acting this way? I mean, after all, these are men who read the Scriptures far more thoroughly than most of us. So what was it that they were missing? What was it that they were not seeing or not understanding? And it was basically this. They had lost sight of the mercy of God, the love of God, and above all, the forgiveness of God. And so their entire focus in their relationship with God was one of being good by their own efforts. And so they would say, I picked myself up, you pick yourself up, or you made your bed, now sleep in it. 
People who think they have brought themselves to God or have earned favor from God by their own striving without really receiving forgiveness of sins in Christ, that is going to lead eventually to this kind of attitude where we look down on those who haven't risen to the level that we see ourselves in. We write people off. We may even do that thing the Germans called schadenfreude, that is to take a little joy in a person's misery, thinking, well, now they're getting what they deserve. Jesus didn't come to guide people to help themselves. He came for the lost, for the sinners. He encountered all kinds of people. He loved everybody. It didn't matter whether they were rich or they were poor or good or bad, whether they were leaders or followers. But in the end, those who followed Jesus were always those who realized that they were the last that they were the ones that would be left behind, that they were the ones who needed repentance and forgiveness above all. And this really is what is the stem and the root of so many problems in life in general, in ourselves individually and personally, in our families, in government, in the world itself. And that is this lack of repentance and an attitude of pride that always follows. Some people will bring themselves occasionally to say, I'm sorry, but it usually ends up being more like, I'm sorry you're offended, which is really to say, I didn't do anything wrong, but I'm sorry you think I did something wrong. Or we may take the approach of ignoring what we've done wrong, or the thought that time will somehow heal what we've done wrong. Or maybe we can overcome what we've done wrong by being nice to somebody and giving them a gift or something like that. And if someone ever would maybe point out that we have done something wrong, so quickly do we turn the table on them, take the focus off of ourselves, put it on them, and start telling them about all the wrong things they have done. Jesus tells us not to go in this direction. But go and learn what this means. Quoting from the Old Testament, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's go on to verses 3 to 6. So he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Notice Jesus says he goes out for that lost one. He puts the 99 away and he goes back to find that one that is lost. In the next parable, the parable of the lost coin, he emphasizes how the woman searched diligently until she found that coin. This shows us how God in Christ worked so hard to reach out to us so that we who were lost could be found and saved. You see, in our Good Shepherd window, uh, that window was designed uh, by a fellow by the name of Brother Steve Erspommer in St. Louis. And when we were looking at different options for the Good Shepherd window, he told us that in the history of art, 
sometimes the Good Shepherd is portrayed focusing a little bit more on the divine nature of the Good Shepherd. In those images, the Jesus often looks pretty happy, looks like uh, everything's going great. But in this one, you'll see the shepherd is wearing a hat, and honestly, he doesn't look real happy. Kind of looks like the Jesus on our bulletin today, too. But that's the real Jesus, the Jesus who came into this world to reach out for the lost with his own sacrifice. You see, he carried each of us on his shoulders when he carried the cross on his shoulders. The cross for our sins. All of us, Isaiah said, like sheep have wandered off, each to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For that reason, Jesus says, we should rejoice when the lost are found, when the lost are saved. And now let's go on to one last thing. To see that this joy is really a joy because of the strength and the power that it gives. So he says, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Many look to Jesus as a merely a helper. They don't speak or even think very much about sins. Foremost in their life would be words like this. I've made a few mistakes. I have some difficult circumstances or situations or troubles. But God wants to go deeper than that, deeper than those troubles, some of which we may have caused ourselves, but oftentimes many of those are being caused by others around us. But what about those that are found in our own hearts? This is the deep problem of sin that God goes to in order to destroy its power. And it does have power. Guilt is a silent killer. It creates depression. It creates anxiety. It creates anger. It creates worry about whether or not we are saved and whether we need to pay God back or something like that. Guilt even causes people to deny God altogether. You have probably seen the billboard or the meme that says, there probably is no God, enjoy yourself. This is the idea we see when people think the only thing they can think about God is his uh, warnings against sin and the guilt that that causes in their hearts. And because for whatever reason they've shut themselves off to the forgiveness of God and the mercy and the grace of God, they get angry about that. And they decide to get rid of their guilt by getting rid of God. That carries over into all of our relationships in life. As Jesus teaches in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. There's great joy in that repentance, great joy in that forgiveness. You see, Satan is very capable of manipulating our pride very capable of manipulating our lust or our anger, but he can't manipulate our repentance. And he can't manipulate our forgiveness because those things come from God. And that is the power that moves this world in the right direction, back to God again. 
is a great reason for joy. Many uh, in the Christian faith have, have celebrated that joy in their baptisms, in their affirmations of faith. And oftentimes that comes forward in the music of the church. And one of the great hymns about that was written by the hymn writer Philip Doddridge, who lived in England in the 1700s. His, great-grand- his grandfather had been a Lutheran pastor in Prague, but fled there from persecution to England. Doddridge wrote 400-some hymns. We have one in our hymnal, Hark the Glad Sound. But he also wrote a hymn about this very thing, this joy in forgiveness. And the hymn was titled, O Happy Day. O Happy Day, when Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to wash, watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. That hymn was pretty well forgotten for many, many decades until in 1967, a choir director in the inner city in California taught it to his choir. They sang it and made a little recording of it, which somehow fell into the hands of a San Francisco DJ who played it on his radio station, and within one year, that song became a worldwide sensation. I'm sure the rhythm and the melody had something to do with that, but I also think the lyrics had something to do with it as well. People see that this hymn is right on target. The happiest day, the most happiest day for all of us is the day our sins are washed away because true strength begins when we know that God leaves no one behind, when he goes after that 1%, when we realize that he cares more about who is last than who is first. So we rejoice in Jesus, our shepherd, who finds us the lost. Amen. Please rise.